0: Hi I'm Randy and I'm Claire and
1: you're listening to Killer Vibes, a True Crime podcast. Okay, so the last episode of the Ed Kemper serial killer, Series um, <laughs> saga, the saga of Ed Kemper. We talked about how he was released from prison after only six years um, for the murder of his grandparents in 1964. So great idea, yeah, I know, so good. Only six years for the murder. It's just not. I just feel like that's not a good decision. Um, anyway, so it's 1969 now. Um, he's 21 years old, and he is now again going to live with his mother, who has abused him since he was a child. So that's great. Um, And really quick, I just thought I would do a little segment on (laughs) what he looks like, which is going to be really interesting to describe because he's a really... You have to know this. Yeah. He's ginormous. Like, I'm 5'1", just for everybody's reference. And so everybody is giant to me, but he is... Really, really tall. So he's six foot nine, yes, six foot nine, and he weighs three hundred pounds. He has black hair, really creepy mustache, and wears glasses. So he's he's huge. He like six foot nine is really tall, and um, <laughs> I just need to reiterate that. I feel like you're acting like no one's gonna believe you I that know, that's tall. <laughs> well, I feel like well, I feel based like I on swear my... it's tall. <laughs> well, based on my parameters being like below average in the short scale. Like, I'm pretty short. Sure I have to prove to everyone that everyone's tall. Literally, if you're, like, 5'5", five five, you're tall. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I believe you. <laughs> I'm literally five one. I found that out the other day. It's really great. Wait. <laughs> you didn't know that? No, I did. But, like, it was officially found. Like, every time you go to the doctor, you oh, get, right. like, measured. And every once in a while, sometimes I'll be, like, 5'2". But mm-hmm. the lady was like, no, you're five one, honey. I'm sorry. It's like, ah. Oh. Okay, I'll live with that. That's all right. But anyway, so he's 6'9", and he was actually rejected from being a state trooper after he left prison, because that's what he wanted to do, because he was so tall. Hmm. So there's that. Wait,
0: after he left prison? Yes. And their reasoning wasn't that he murdered people, it was that he was too
1: tall? Well, remember, his criminal record had been completely expunged. Oh, right. Okay. So it wouldn't have mattered. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh God, yeah. So, so he could have been a state Let's trooper, give but this he was. Guy a yeah, done. that sounds great. Well, you're gonna get so mad at this. Okay, hold on. So, um, according to Wrestler, who is Agent Wrestler, who we talked about in episode one, um, the troopers liked him, even though the um, like the actual state troopers didn't hire him. They liked him a lot, so they let him hang around, and one of them gave Kemper a set of handcuffs and, drumroll, another brilliant moment for police officers, a gun. Oh. Yep, they gave him a gun. To (laughs) borrow. I was like, firstly, you live in California, so what the hell are you going to do with a gun? Like, there's not, like... You know what I mean? Like, California is highly populated. No, he's not there's living on the
0: woods. There's a
1: lot of woods in California. There, but yeah, but there's he's like not going out. There's many national there.
0: parks in California. Right.
1: But he's not going out to the woods at all. And they're like, here, just borrow this gun. I just want to know what Ed Kemper what? said to these troopers that like, made, like convinced them to give him a weapon to borrow. And first of all, weapons are registered to the officer. That's using them. And every single time a weapon is discharged, oh, at least yeah. in the current police situation, you have to write a report at why that bullet was fired. So, like, <laughs> it just this makes no, sense. This, makes no sense. Sense. this makes no sense. But it's also, like,
0: the late 60s, so I feel like you could get away with more s- dumb, dumb things stuff, back yeah. then. That's you're, un- you're not wrong. That's crazy. I, I feel know. like if someone is like, I would like to be a state trooper, and then they say, no. And then they say, but can I have a gun? That indicates their entire reasoning behind wanting to be a state trooper was to have a gun, which yeah. is probably not the best exactly thing to tell someone you're trying to get to hire you. But yeah. I guess in this case, it worked out. What the heck? Oh, oh my no. gosh. I know. It's really And handcuffs? Yes, they gave and you handcuffs. And handcuffs? What do yes. you need that yes. for? Uh,
1: d- murder. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> So in 1971, Kemper gets into a car crash and wins some money, but he hurts his arm. So he actually ends up being out of work. He, I think he worked on campus for something. Who let him on campus? I, his record is exposed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I keep forgetting that. Yeah, so nobody can see that stuff. So just for reference, since Randy keeps on, forgetting, I'm sorry. Um, if. A criminal record is expunged. It means that all criminal activity is per- is removed permanently from your record. So, no one can access it. No one can see it. So, employers can't see it. Um, if you go in for like a like a driving ticket thing or like a parking ticket, and you have to go in front of a judge, the judge can't see it. Nobody can see it anymore. It's literally physically like removed from your your record. Um, so. All of the time that he spent in prison for the murders are not on his record. It's okay. completely I'll taken off. i remember that. <laughs> yes, you knew this. I know. I just, I just
0: kept forgetting. Sorry. No, that's
1: fine. Yeah, so that's what it means when um, a criminal's record is expunged. Because I'm sure if anybody has watched a whole bunch of forensic files, which I do religiously, um, that happens every once in a while. They mention criminal records being expunged um, from someone's permanent record. So, in 1971, Kemper gets into the car crash and he wins the money, but like I said before, he hurts his arm, out of work. So he starts trying to fill up his time and he starts to take notice that a lot of female co-eds are out in Santa Cruz hitchhiking. Um, so I just wanted to say this before I get into the co-ed murders, just because this is another reason why Kemper is kind of interesting. So Serial killers have a specific demographic for their victims in most cases, whether it's race or hair color, height, age, um, all of that stuff. And while Kemper killed mainly female co-eds, that's really the only thing that they have in common. There wasn't any demographic he stuck to other than his victims all being females. Um, Some of his victims were Caucasian. Some of them were of Asian descent. Their ages were all over the place. He literally just picked people off. And, of course, women tend to be more vulnerable. He is a huge guy, so he can overpower them very easily. And it's just, I just thought that was really interesting that he didn't really have, like, especially the race thing, because race tends to be a really, like, consistent demographic for serial killers. Race and gender are two of them. So I thought that was, you know, I thought that was kind of a a weird little thing about him. I
0: think that um, a lot of the times the killings are connected to a person in their past or something like that. So if all of his victims looked like his mom, that would make sense to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, that is kind of weird. And I would 100% never hitchhike, but I would 1000% never hitchhike with someone that looked like him. I know. (laughs) That could
1: just like step on you because he's so tall. He could snap you in half with his bare hands. Anyway, so at first Kemper would pick up female hitchhikers and then let them go just as like a weird practice round. And then on May 7th, 1972, um, Kemper picked up Mary Ann Pesci and Anita Lucchesa, um, and they would never make it to their final destination. Um, they were going to Stanford University, which was no more than a few hours away. Um, Ed Kemper parked on a dirt road and told the girls he was taking them back to his apartment, and then he murdered them in the car. Kemper would later explain that he stabbed and strangled Marianne before stabbing Anita as well. So, for those of you who don't know anything about the Kemper serial murders, I just want to warn you before I tell you this last piece of information. Um, Kemper has necrophilia, uh, which means he takes sexual pleasure from corpses. So, this is a really horrible piece of information about this case, and I contemplated a lot talking about it because I know it's really disturbing, but... This case is important to understand the full capacity of it, and so I'm going to tell you what he does, but I just want to warn all of our listeners that if you get easily bummed out by this sort of stuff, this is probably when you might want to turn it down for a second, um, but so this is just a warning. Um, it's not pleasant. Um, so after killing both Anita and Marianne, Kemper raped their corpses and dissected them throwing parts of their body into ravines. The families reported them missing soon afterwards, but nothing would be known of their fates until August 15th of that year, when a female head was discovered in the woods near Santa Cruz and was later identified as Marianne. Anita's remains, however, were never found. So Marianne and Anita were both roommates. um, And so they were just hitchhiking back to Stanford. Um, and I believe Kemper killed Marianne in the in the car first. and then I think he put Anita in the trunk mm-hmm. and then killed her later. So it was just it's really horrible. Um, and I I don't have a ton on Marianne and Anita because there are six women that he killed during this time. So we're gonna move on to the, his next victim. Um, but if you want to know more about them, I can post a link about them, some memorial stuff as well. Um, but yeah, so th- this was the first set of killings um, in the co-ed murders. So there's that. We've got a few more to get through, so everybody pace out with me. Um, so later that year, on September 14th, 1972, Kemper picked up 15-year-old ICO Ku who was on her way to dance class and didn't want to pay for the bus to get there, so she decided to hitchhike. She's 15, you guys, so this is just, like, it's horrible. Um, Kemper picked her up, obviously, taped her mouth shut in order to suffocate her, and when she did lose consciousness, um, Kemper removed her from her car, raped her. He then suffocated her with a scarf and put the body into the trunk. He took her body home and dissected it. And the police have have actually never found her whole body. Um, So it's another really horrible, gruesome murder. And she was such a pretty young woman. Like, she is gorgeous. She's a dancer. There's a really stunning photograph of her just sitting in a very, like, classical dance position. And it's just, she's so, she looks so small. And I just can't, it just makes me so sad. And I just want to, like, give her a hug. And I don't know. Um so that's um Ico on September 14th um is when N. Kemper picks her up and kills her and then on January 8th 1973 so then the following January um Kemper continued to act on his m- murderous impulses picking up hitchhiker Cindy Shaw whom he shot and killed um while his mother was out Kemper went to her home and hid Shaw's body in his room he proceeded to rape her body and then dismember her corpse the following day and threw the parts into the ocean. Several parts were later discovered when they washed up on shore. He buried her head in his mother's backyard. So ew, I'm just I'm gonna take like a brief pause because, you know, this is only like half of them. So we're we're just gonna take a brief little moment Let's and take th- a breath together. Yes. So we're all gonna breathe for a minute. Just, <sighs> woo. Okay. Um, And the reason why I'm giving you this list of women is because they all deserve to have a moment of what happened to them and how horrible it all was. Um, So I want to give you their names. I want to give you their ages. I want to tell you about them. So I'm not going to, I'm going to keep on going through this list. It's, we're almost done. Um, But yeah. So on February 5th, 1973, so about a month later... Kemper used a campus parking sticker his mother had given him to facilitate a double murder. He drove to the university where he offered a ride to two students, Rosalind Thorpe, who was 23, and Alice Liu, who was 21. Shortly after picking them up, he shot the two young women and then drove past the campus security at the gates with the two mortally wounded women in his car. So he drove past campus security with these two women just bleeding out in the back of his car. It's horrible. So, after the murders, Kemper decapitated his two victims and further dismembered the bodies, removed bullets from their heads, and disposed of their body parts in different locations. In March, some of Thorpe's and Lou's remains were discovered by hikers near Highway 1 in San Mateo County. So, at this time, Santa Cruz has now been labeled the murder capital of the world because there were two other active serial killers— John Lindley Frazier and Herbert Mullins, who I know nothing about. I have no idea. I know Herbert
0: Mullins, but not the first yeah. one.
1: Um, and Ed Kemper. I have a question. Um, yes. Um.
0: Do we know if that gun... That for some reason they let him borrow
1: is the gun he was using. I don't know that. I don't know if he was if he purchased a gun or if it was the same one that he that the seat troopers had given to him. Um, I didn't find much else about the gun that he had borrowed. It was just mentioned once by Robert Ressler, um, just very briefly. So um, that's what I have on that. So, this is also when Ed Kemper is lovingly given the title of the co-ed murderer. Um, (laughs) So loving. (laughs) So loving. Um, So, obviously, police are out looking for someone killing female co-eds. So, um, this is the last set of murders. So, we're almost done. And in April 1973... Um, Kemper committed what would be his last two murders. On Good Friday, he went to his mother's home where the two had an unpleasant exchange. Kemper attacked his mother after she went to sleep, striking her in the head with a hammer and then cutting her throat with a knife. Um, As he had with all his other victims, he then decapitated her and he cut (gasps) off her hands. After he dismembered her body, he then also removed her larynx and put it down the garbage disposal. Which is slightly her, her larynx. What's that? So it's part of your throat. Oh my gosh. That
0: must be symbolic of something. Of yeah. Her. Yeah. Of Whoa. her speech. Oh yeah. my gosh.
1: Of her. So. I didn't know that part. Yeah, so in a video interview with Kemper, he said he silenced her forever. Yeah, literally. That's exactly what he said. He He said that? Yes, he said he silenced her. Isn't that weird? (laughs) Jesus, Randy. Okay, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, he he took out her larynx because of the way that she had spoken to him as a child, had verbally abused him, and he wanted to literally... Mm-hmm. Get rid of her her ability to speak. Not that he hadn't already done that by freaking hitting her in the head with a hammer. Um, this part is where you should turn down
0: the volume if you don't want to hear. Yeah, the absolutely. Thing so, ever.
1: this part is the worst, and I'm just, this is the worst. So, Kemper did defile his mother's body, and in the interest of talking about this case and about what a horrible person Kemper was, I'm going to tell you what he did, but fair warning, it is not a pleasant thing to say. So, Like Randy said, maybe turn this down if you don't want to. Um, But but again, I'm going to tell you because as someone who wants to always understand the whole story, I think it's good to know the best and the worst parts of everything. So this part is pretty horrible. Um, So Kemper had decapitated his mother's body. He raped his mother's head after he had decapitated her and then used her head as a dartboard. So... That's over. Okay. Okay. Um, After hiding his mother's body parts, Kemper called his mother's friend, Sally Hallett, and invited her over to the house. Kemper strangled Hallett shortly after she arrived and hid her body in a closet. So, Kemper fled the area the next day, driving east until he reached Pueblo, Colorado, where on April 23rd, he made a call to the Santa Cruz police to confess his crimes. At first, they did not believe that the guy they knew as Big Ed was a killer because remember, he was friends like with friends all these with people. Them. Yeah. Um, but during subsequent interrogations, he would lead them all to evidence they needed to prove that he was, in fact, the infamous co ed killer. Um, include, he led them to the bodies and told them about the heads buried in the backyard. This obviously incriminated him, and he was uh, taken into custody and arrested. I have a question. Ask me your question.
0: Do you think that Kemper purposefully befriended law enforcement so that when they were looking for a serial murder, they wouldn't look at him?
1: See, I don't know about that because he was very tentative at first and it took him about a year to actually start killing people. So he befriended all of the state troopers before when he wasn't doing anything. And I don't know if he was like... Mentally preparing for this killing spree. He would go on. That'd be smart to yeah. do it a whole
0: year in advance.
1: Right, exactly. And so he formed these relationships early, right after he had gotten out of prison. Um, so I'm not sure about that actually. Hmm. I don't know. Um I haven't watched every single interview with him because they're pretty lengthy. Um, they did very extensive interviews. So he may have talked about why he was friends with the state troopers. I'm not sure. Um, But yeah, that'd be really clever to like befriend them. And then he would be seen as someone who's not a threat at all. He was just like this really, he's like a gentle giant or whatever, Mm -hmm. which is not the case. But
0: yeah, because then if they found anything that incriminated him, they'd be like, oh, no, this
1: big head. Yeah, exactly. Can't be him. Yeah, I don't know. People are weird. I would never want to do that. But anyway, um, so that's the end of episode two of the Ed Kemper serial killer case. Um, if We're going to dive deep into the uh, behavioral science unit and how that's going to get started um, with the interviews that Kemper provides for the FBI. So click on part three to talk about that. And yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>